the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. New Focus on Wealth. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Goal of the show is to get you to retirement. Throwing in a little bit of hints, tips, tricks, ideas during the new focus on wealth that can maybe get you there. There was an interesting article that I want to share with you because I like to share. I was a good share in kindergarten. I actually didn't go to kindergarten. (laughs) I was so brutally shy that I had to be put in a special one-on-one scenario where a college student was giving me my education because I couldn't talk. Interesting how I followed this path, no? Interesting article today in Bloomberg. Bloomberg, I think, is the... uh, I don't want to use the Bible for investing. If you were to say, like, the Mayan Bible or the... Indian Bible, not the, and again, then you start getting cultural and you're like, no, don't go that direction. It's one of the, the better mapping companies of investing. How's that? And anytime they publish a guide of an article, an insight, I think it's worth reading. I pay for a Bloomberg terminal. It is all that and a bucket of chicken. It's expensive to get a subscription more than any consumer would want to pay. But the amount of information you're able to pull from it is also better than anything else out in the industry. Article today about how high Bitcoin can fly in the ongoing bull market. A Bitcoin analyst from Bloomberg, they think the price could climb as high as 400000 this year, well above where it is at 56000 so let's say 50, let's just round it down to 50,000. 50,000 doubles to 100,000, doubles to 200,000, doubles to 400,000. That's three doubles. And they think this is very similar to the amount of debt that world nations are taking on. Kind of a yin and a yang. As nations take on debt, stable assets that don't grow in quantity have the ability to look more attractive when supply gets cut more and people start running for anything but the dollar, maybe anything but the dollar investments. I don't think it's insane. Is it something I want to participate in? I don't think so. I'm okay owning 1% to 2% in Bitcoin. I can make a case for you to own it anywhere between 1% and 5% in Bitcoin. I would prefer you do it in an index or an ETF versus going out and getting a wallet and risk losing that asset forever. It's almost like you could own the ticker symbol GLD, which reflects the price of gold, 
without actually buying gold and hiding it in your garage. Of which I had a vehicle stolen from my driveway this week. And because I'm that kind of guy, I asked the police officer, what's the craziest thing ever stolen? At one point in time, they asked, uh, what personal property was in your vehicle? I was like, nothing. It was a dog bed. <laughs> That's it. Not even, I can't even claim like a screwdriver. Most expensive thing about the top, uh, that I put on the vehicle was a, a, a bike rack and a luggage rack. And then after that, the tires. But things that are strapped on, you. anyway, they're not things that are left in. Craziest thing the police officer said he ever heard left in the vehicle that was stolen? $100,000 in cash. Whoopsie, insurance isn't going to cover that. Anyhow, do you think... Bitcoin could go to 400,000 this year when you see how much our deficit has swelled and how the Biden administration is keen on now is the time to spend to keep up with China. Now is the time to spend to fix some social issues. Now is the time to spend to make sure COVID doesn't come roaring back. Now is the time to spend to get a good, deep-seated job recovery. Of which, for the record, in my opinion, if you don't like terrorism... And if you don't like the negatives of Black Lives Matter, and if you don't like the negatives of anti-American sentiment or pro-American sentiment, I, th I think I'm saying something very wise there. If you don't like the negatives of anything that you believe in, know that it comes with the territory. And if we can create better jobs in America, people aren't sitting at home watching Fox or MSNBC getting angry at the other side. It's uh, James Baker was once a guest on my show and I asked him, I said, um, I think my audience kind of wants to know that terrorism isn't going to be a regular event in America. I think we kind of want to know that planes aren't going to be regularly crashing into uh, towers. Can you give us any reassurance? And he goes, one thing I can say, Rob, is, you know, all that massive aid that we give to Africa and the Middle East you know, all that massive aid that we, we give to countries that we're never going to see back. America's put in $44,000 into $44 million. And you're like, you kind of get it. If you can create jobs in those countries, they don't grow up hating America. Now, here's a very interesting twist on that. China does it better than the United States. China says, we're not going to give you 44 million, 44 billion, 44 trillion yuan or yen, or we're not going to give you nothing. We'll come in there and build roads for you, but you're going to buy our goods. We're not going to give, we're going to do. The United States gives, and that's where the political system gets very, very corrupt. I know a lot of people in the charitable world who go to poor countries like Ethiopia and they, the government says, oh, we will meet with you on Monday at 9 a.m. And then they don't show up until Monday at 5 p.m. because they want to teach the Americans lessons on how we do business in Ethiopia. It doesn't fly the way we do business internationally, which, again, brings up a hell of a good question. Why don't we have foreign policy for South America? We've got foreign policy for Europe. We've got foreign policy for Asia and China. We've got foreign policy for Africa. we got nothing. I've never, no one's that James Baker can't explain that one to me, but James Baker said it really well. He goes, if you create jobs in foreign markets, they're not, you know, they're, they're coming home and smoking cigarettes and wearing blue jeans and going and planning vacations. 
they're not necessarily looking to rub two pieces of dirt or two two rubles or two pennies or whatever the currency is that's the cheapest of the cheap. I think one currency that means almost nothing are like De Niro's. <laughs> I'm like, De Niro, like the actor? No. Anyhow, um, we're off to a flying start today. Bitcoin going to 400,000. I wouldn't be surprised. Do I do I like the timeline of December 31, 2021? No. With the way we're handling our debt, you could make a case for it. Does that mean it goes there? No. Because even though you're seeing more companies embrace the transactions, you really haven't seen that many people. You've seen some, like Tesla, say, you could buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. As soon as Safeway says that, I'm in. You know who's going to be a big rallying catalyst for uh, cryptocurrency and digital coins? The day that Facebook comes out and says, we're opening up a wallet on Facebook for all of our users in the world. The moment Facebook does that, Facebook stocks roars and Bitcoin roars. And you know Bitcoin, you know Facebook's going to do it. I'm just saying... Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. All stocks and Bitcoin do contain risk. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Trying market? Nope. Trying to think of where I am in the market. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I've kind of always liked this song. It's kind of an, an alternative rock hymn. Cold War Kids. I saw them open up one time for a concert. Do you remember when we used to go to concerts and stand next to each other? And that B-I-T, blah, 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 in front of you would always, like, kind of overly dance like a hippie. And her boyfriend was six foot seven with a giant afro. And you're like, I don't think Caucasian hair is supposed to stand up like that. How did you do that? That's crazy. And you can't see a thing. Well, we're going to get back to those days, it looks like. Maybe, maybe not. There's some very inquisitive strains of COVID-19 rolling through Florida right now and rolling through people under 35. It's very alarming. Again, compare that news to the COVID vaccines, vaccinations, and we're like, eh, we don't care about it. We like big numbers. Four million shots versus 40,000 sick teenagers. We're like, eh, screw the teenagers. But it's in my, on my radar because if we shut down again, I, I think it's going to be bad news for our economy. We've thrown so much money at this war on COVID. It's it, it's ridiculous. And uh, again, I think we all know the government spends money in very poor fashions. You know, the head of the NRA got caught going on yacht trips. Now, he's not spending government money, but he's spending money that citizens donated to the NRA. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to disclose that I went on yacht trips. <laughs> Thanks for the dime. Um, I just, and again, how many times have we seen homeless shelters like where the, the director's making $2 million? And you're like, that doesn't make sense. And yet, if that director can pull in $100 million of donations, do they deserve $2 million? Sure. 
we live in a very weird world where people justify decisions based on self-perceived power and the value of it. Target's doing something I think that is wonderful, and I, I fully applaud them on this. And it makes me think, how can I do this too? And it makes me think, follow the money, is there an investable angle on this? I think the answer is, I don't see it yet, but there will be. Target pledged to add products from more than 500 Black-owned businesses to its inventory by the end of 2025. If the U.S. population is 20% Black, I see no reason, no reason why stores shouldn't reflect more trends that are not Caucasian-driven. I understand selling to the masses is, is part of their business model. But I don't think this is a token. I think this is a smart idea. Target announced that it's going to spend more than $2 billion with Black-owned businesses by 2025, which includes marketing agencies, construction companies, facilities, maintenance providers, and others. We have a rich history of working with diverse businesses, but there's more we can do to spark change across the retail industry. I have a friend that um, I can tell you about two Black stories that have affected my life. One of them was a guy named Eugene Pryor. 25 years ago when I started my own investment advisory firm, I got to meet this guy, and he was a New England Patriot. He was a safety for the New England Patriots. So yes, he was black. His skin was very different than mine. He was athletic. He was slim. He was trim. He was beautiful. I mean, he was a, a prime athlete. And he partnered with his friend from, I guess, college, who was the smart one, the financially smart one, and he was the marketing one, or the, uh, the marketable one. So he and I would go to CNBC. He and I would go to Fox Business. And we'd go to Bloomberg and we'd see, we'd cross paths often. And I was like, is there any chance we could ever partner together? Because I could market you. Like I, I, I know I could market you. My industry is white, Caucasian, puffy males, typically 45 to 65 with Italian suits on that like to talk down to people about, you know, don't, don't you think it's a good idea to invest in your future? Don't you think it's a good idea to have an emergency fund? And we never did partner, but his skin color opened doors for him in the financial world that was fantastic. But he had to say, my skin color. It, it wasn't like obvious to the world. He won contracts to be part of like school um, uh, foundations. I think that's great. Uh, if he's competent, it's great. And he was more than competent. And to this day, whenever I see him on CNBC, I'm like, good for you. You go, girlfriend. I suddenly become Susie Orman, and I hijack the black culture by using the word girlfriend, even though I, I don't even know. So the other story is a friend of mine, also black American, um, started a company called African Sunshine. And it was a competitor to Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And it was kind of like, What's an African fruit? I want to say mango, but I'm going to be really, really ignorant when I say I don't know the fruits of Africa. And I don't want to use banana because that seems like, well, we have bananas everywhere. But he started this, this whole thing of sourcing fruit from Africa and making it into a, a cocktail that basically tried to compete with Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And it was a damn good product. The only problem was he was competing with Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Now, I typically used to use this story to show you why you want to invest in Pepsi and Coca-Cola. 
because they have these people that arrive in trucks and say, you want me to stock up your fridge with Coca-Cola and Diet Coke? And, oh, if you're going to take Coca-Cola and Diet Coke, I can give you a special on this crap product, uh, a Mellow Yellow. We don't sell it off of, or Coke Zero, or Coke Zero Zero, or Chocolate Coke, or Vanilla Coke. But you have to buy the Coke and the Diet Coke, and we'll give you a discount on other stuff. He wasn't able to get off of the discount for African Sunshine. He didn't have the other product. He, didn't, he couldn't get shelf space. The moment he talked an owner like of a 7-Eleven or an owner of a Quickie Mart into stocking his product, the next time Coca-Cola or Pepsi would roll their vans into that store, uh, they'd say, well, we're not going to give you a Coca-Cola cut out of a hot, sexy model holding Coca-Colas or the cute polar bear holding bottles of Coke because we see that African sunshine thing over there. What's that? So Coca-Cola and Pepsi would use their power not to go against black businesses, but to go against small businesses. There was no succeeding for him. If he were to appear on Shark Tank today, he would get a bazillion dollars. The climate's different. It's no longer small business versus the big business. It's how can we help this community? How can we say we support across the board, not just the dollar, but across the board. So black owned businesses and brands have seen more support in a push for social and economic justice in the wake of protests against police brutality and renewed attention to the nation's decades long racial wealth gap. I don't fear the day this Derek Chauvin trial ends, but history has told me the day this trial ends that America is not going to be happy. Whether it's the police angle of we need more police or the police angle of we need less police or the angle of Black Lives Matter or the angle of All Lives Matter or the angle of All Lives Matter can't matter until Black Lives Matter. There's going to be some pissed off Americans on the night this trial ends. And you're going to see Tucker Carlson go, what? And you're going to see Don Lemon go, what? You're going to see Rachel Maddow go, what? And I think that's going to be a bad night in America. And I hope I'm wrong. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening. And I hope that segment made some sense to you. If it did, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I'm just kind of hoping that Billie Eilish doesn't turn into one of those stand-up bass bebop kind of performers where it's boop-bop, bebop. Which is pretty hilarious when you find yourself watching Saturday Night Live and you're watching a sketch where they're like, they're at a party and they have a stand-up bass and the wife starts singing doop-bop, bleep-bleep-bleep-boop. Bleep, bleep. You're like, why did they do that? And then later on you see that Kim Cattrall did it with her husband. And you're like, ooh, ooh, now I get the inside joke. Um, pretty funny video. Uh, video, Google search, Kim Cattrall stand-up bass. And yes, she's the girl from Sex in the City who thinks she's all that and a bucket of chicken, and she could probably eat her snot to cure COVID. Speaking of snot, this is snot a negative story. The great airline recovery is ready to become the great golden age of travel again. 
Now, the sector's not cheap because it's recovered. Back in March, I told you these will recover if we get a vaccine. And the opening trade will recover faster than anything else because the opening trade or the shutdown trade got hit the hardest. Airlines, hotels. Mm, we just, restaurants, especially like some of the more global ones, are going to be rock stars. And they've already been rock stars. Is it over? No. There's still probably 30% upside. But again, you're still counting on vaccine rollouts and a winding down of the pandemic. Urging caution would be wise because we're not really seeing America completely embrace. You're seeing some counties and some states, particularly Michigan, Florida, and Texas, and, and Arkansas just get ravaged again because they're not wearing masks. It's unfortunate that they're saying, come on in for restaurants. Now, again, if I'm a restaurant owner, I'm happy. You can all die from eating at my restaurant. And that's fine. As long as I have my bills to pay. Um, I know you're saying that's dark, Rob. <laughs> that's dark. Go back to the golden age of flying. Okay. Back to the golden age of flying. Um, Wall Street is expecting air traffic in 2022. Not this year, but next. To exceed 2019 levels. So your ability to fly without a lot of TSA is going to go away sooner than later. 2022 is sooner. It's being described as a roaring 20s, swinging 60s macro environment, which could drive traffic significantly higher than the 2019 baseline level. I'm going to take a couple days off next week to stay in the state of California, but to get a little bit of downtime in. But after that, I'm going big. My credit card rewards, I think I could fly around the world right now and stop in every major capital. It feels that way, no? So the great airline recovery should be positive news for Alaska Air Group, United Airlines, JetBlue, Delta, Southwest, American Airlines. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I have some biases. I hate American Delta, just personally. They rank right up there with Comcast, a cable company that you feel like, I pay you guys a lot and you give me this kind of flack. There was one time that a pregnant spouse of mine wanted to fly across the East Coast to meet family. And she had morning sickness, so she called the airline. She goes, I can't make the 10 o'clock flight. Can I make the 12? And they're like, sure. So she shows up at 12. She had to change her flight. $100. I'm like, go ahead, do it. Meet you on the East Coast. So um, two weeks later, we come back to the airport on the East Coast to fly back to the West Coast. I'm like, oh, no, we canceled your trip. Because when you changed one portion, we, we canceled the other's half. I'm like, well, wait. So it wasn't $100 change. It, it was also you canceled the round trip, which was a $600 ticket. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you need to fly her back to the other side of the country for free. I'm like, no, you need to pay another $600 to fly her back. And I said to the, the person behind the counter, and I'm a horrible person. I said, I hope you get cancer and die. And everyone in the line went, whoa. I said, you just told a pregnant lady she changed her flight and you didn't tell her beforehand that she could do a money grab. 
I said, you work for an evil company and you are an evil person because you are helping them accomplish an evil task. I'll never fly Delta again. I don't, I don't like American. I don't like Delta. Continental, nope. Those legacy carriers just got fat through the years and started abusing customers. And if I got to get Aer Lingus, <laughs> the one flight that leaves San Francisco to go to Hawaii, I'm going to do it. You will, if you ever find me on an American Airlines or a Delta Airlines flight, I will give you $1 million. So I won't invest in those companies, but here I will talk about the golden age of those companies. And again, that just shows you how I kind of hold stuff in. Travel appears to be taken off in a V-shaped recovery. And I wasn't proud of it the moment it came out of my mouth. Domestic passenger traffic hit 1.5 million passengers at the end of April. Now, back in 2019, we were at about 2.4 million. So we've gone from about 200,000 at the low point of flying to 1.5 million, and we're trying to hunt 2.4 million and higher. Carriers are adding back flight capacity. They're staffing up to handle more bookings. Industry is also encouraging travel with more lenient cancellation and change fee policies, trying to reassure passengers it's safe to fly from a financial standpoint. In case something weird happens. There's a bull case, there's a, a bear case, and there's a in the middle of the road case. Wall Street's modeling 2022 revenues that are 20% below 2019. It's too low. So you're gonna see that number get higher if the world recovery happens. Jamie Dimon, big time important investment banker. <laughs> um JP Morgan Chase kind of guy, big world bank. He's one of the bankers when he talks, people listen. He thinks the stimulus that we have is going to be like gasoline on world economies until 2022 and into 2022. Other reasons to be bullish include structurally lower operating costs throughout the industry and jet fuel prices that remain below 2019 levels. Don't forget that during the pandemic, yes, they lost billions and billions of dollars, but that's past performance now. When they lost billions and billions of dollars, a lot of it had to do with, well, we need to look around the company and what can we fire? Clearly some pilots, clearly some stewardesses or stewards or whatever you want to say. Uh, we don't need as many mechanics. Now we need those to come back because those are service side. But do we need the marketing agencies? Do we need the executive vice presidents? Do we need the... They got rid of some fat during the pandemic. And when it comes back, the spending, they'll be a little bit wiser about what they hire in theory. And then things will get good and they'll hire a little bit more suspiciously. And then things will get great and they'll hire really suspiciously. And then the recovery will stall and they'll start firing people again. It's kind of a life cycle of business. I want to sing The Lion King. The life cycle. Oh, oh, I don't even know any words. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I understand. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of analysts say, I see attractive upside to travel expectations. There is a, an ETF that you can look at if you don't want to pick sides on the debate on, do you want think international is going to be better than domestic? Do you think hotels are going to be better than Airbnbs? Do you, if you want it to go kind of neutral, kind of Switzerland, there's ticker symbol JETS, J-E-T-S, J-E-T-S. If you want to say, I think people will be more frugal, 
Spirit Airwaves is ticker symbol S-A-V-E. I won't fly Spirit Airwaves. Uh, Spirit Airlines, excuse me. It's just not my thing. I, I don't like the discount to the point where you feel like, is a parachute included with this? <laughs> I have to pay to use the bathroom. I'll just do it in my seat. <laughs> That's me. I'm that kind of jerky jerk 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 face. Um, so the recovery in international probably going to take longer than the recovery in domestic is the thought. So if I were to look at all those airlines, the two that stand out to me are Alaska and Southwest. I'm not saying anything negative or disparaging about United or Delta, but Alaska, Southwest, and JetBlue are more considered domestic flyers. So maybe if I wanted to say, I believe in this kind of play, I'd buy 1% in each. And then I would have 3% airlines. I'm not doing that, but that's how I might approach it. You need to figure out how you're going to approach it as you, because you and I are different. Keep in mind, I'm the guy who wished cancer on someone and instantly regretted it. Which, I would love to know the story, did they get cancer and die? But I'm not privy to that knowledge. Sneaker reseller StockX is considered to be the stock market of sneakers. Their valuation has jumped to $3.8 billion. Something happened in the current culture that makes sense to the world that buying and reselling of sneakers is a thing. It is a thing for Generation Z and Millennials. Maybe my generation wanted coach bags or Louis Vuitton. And maybe the younger generation wants, you know, uh, Nike, not Nas X's. I don't know. But you're going to see that company come public sooner rather than later. Do you believe that we could be investing in companies that buy sneakers? Is this not the greatest country in the world? Me thinks it is. That's a quote by Yoda. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Asked to provide thoughts for you on investing in a stupid way. I like the acorns app because it's a cute way of accumulating wealth of a little bit of money grows into a little bit more money, which grows into a nice amount of money, which grows into a substantial amount of money, which grows into a great amount of money, but you got to give yourself 35 years for an acorn tree, an oak tree to grow. And then it's going to drop a little acorns. And those little acorns are going to grow into oak trees. But it takes a long time for that tree to take root, suck up a lot of water, do a little growing. Uh-oh, there's drought. doesn't grow. Oh, big rainy season. It grows again. Same thing happens with your money. I love the Acorns app because it's right on. It's the perfect name for the way you want to approach creating wealth, in my opinion. Now, again, you're like, I want the Rocket Moonshot app. Okay, you're listening to the wrong show. Tune in later this afternoon for how to lose your money faster than you can make it. 
Uh, I once had a guy, and he was spot on, because this is the 1990s. His name was Rick. It wasn't Rick Edelman. It was Rick something. And uh, I was the young hotshot of Business Talk Radio. And he was the wise investor. My name is Rick. It wasn't Rick Malone. Yeah, it was Rick Malone. I'm Rick Malone, the wise investor. He worked for Prudential, which is a crap company. So I'm like, you sell insurance then? Well, I only said that after he goes, your growth stocks, your tech stocks. And he had a Southern accent, even though I don't think it was Southern. I just think he liked uh, uh, Longhorn Foghorn, Foghorn Leghorn. Who is the cartoon character? And he goes, your tech stocks. I'd say, I say, I say, I'm going to lose money. Foghorn Leghorn. I say, I, your tech stocks. I say, I say, I say, I'm going to lose money faster than the stock market. I say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do, I do. And uh, I'm like, yeah, and you sell insurance, don't you? And you charge 2% for your services when people could read a newspaper. And we kind of went our separate ways. But I don't think he was wrong for saying that. He was old. I was in my 20s. He was in his 60s. He had seen things come and go before. He probably was around when Plato was invented. You know, I don't know. <laughs> You're saying that's kind of a vague reference. But I was around when, like, uh, Stretch Armstrong, which was kind of like Plato, but for, like, the new generation. Um, there's some truth of that. You can take some advice from some elderly people. They've been there. They've done it. It's one of my favorite things to do if I'm at a party because I hate being at parties. I'm not very social. Is to ask people, what's the greatest investment you ever made? If you can go back 20, 40 years, what would you invest in? And some people say real estate. Some people say gold. Some people say my education. Some people say I wouldn't have married three times and divorced. What would you go back and do? That's advice to give to younger people. Listen to this pile of BS. There's a 60-week delay on router orders. So you know one of the things about the pandemic that we haven't really talked a lot about is that factories had to shut down. Hey, Joe, let's go to the factory and make some semiconductors today. Put on your little bunny suit and let's get in the factory and make some semiconductors. Uh, Joe's got COVID. He can't go. Okay, well, we just got a big order for shipments and we got stuff to put together. So Joe, get better soon. And he didn't get better soon. And they're like, okay, Joe's back to work. Joe's back to work. Now now we're making semiconductors. Let's send all these semiconductors to the Suez Canal. Oh, wait, wait, wait. It's stuck for a week? So what we're learning now is between the sicknesses, the staffing, the repurposing of factories, Anywhere in the supply chain, whether it be the mines that had COVID outbreaks, to the packaging, to the delivery, to the manufacturing, to the shipping, the distribution, any part of that supply chain that choked up is now led to 60-week delay on router orders. Now, a router, to me, is the god of the internet, or it is the blood of the internet. If you don't have equipment on both sides that can like process this stuff and go, oh, that's a music file, send that to the left. Oh, that's a data file, send that one to the right. Oh, that's a video file, give that one high priority. Oh, we got to throw this one down because that guy's watching porn. The router that's doing everything intelligently, it's, it's important. 
And Joe Biden's not wrong when he says, we got to spend on infrastructure to keep up with China. China has more charging stations than the United States. They're throwing a lot more money into new businesses than the United States. And that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It increases productivity, cuts down on pollution, creates jobs, high-paying jobs. And again, maybe not your thing. We don't compete with China. I like good old USA. Born in the USA. I hate to tell you we do compete. When it comes to our citizens' happiness and jobs, we all want what's best for our neighbors. So companies like Broadcom is in a pickle. Lead time for their components have doubled to a year or more. So they may have the next big hot technology, but if they can't get the parts, they can't build it and sell it. Zixel is a major supplier of routers with customers including Norway's Telenor and Britain's Zen Internet. They said their, their time is more than doubled. So when you're talking about not being able, when many international companies can't get components, you're now talking about routers as a segment being delayed up to a year. You're kind of like, oh, thank God my kid got his Xbox. You're kind of happy for what you get, but it brings up a question of like, does Apple have enough supply? Did LG not have enough supplies? Is that why they're bailing out a smartphone market? Will this hurt pricing or help pricing? When there's a shortage, you tend to get gouged. That creates inflation. Will it happen or will it not? How serious of a problem is it? Not serious until it hits me. But I heard Rob Black talk about it, so I, I think I should, it should be on my radar. But it, my router's good for now. But remember when you couldn't get toilet paper because of shortages? You were ready to murder your neighbor. <laughs> you weren't ready to murder your neighbor, but you certainly looked at breaking into their house while they're out. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com.